Thank you for tuning in to the Historic Restorations Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, historic-restorations.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historic home. If you've not yet done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash historic restorations. Welcome to the Historic Restorations Podcast, hosted by Danielle Kepperling. Historic Restorations is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Thank you for uh, joining us on the Historic Restorations podcast. Uh, today we have uh, John Walters uh, speaking with us about some tax tools that you can use to help preserve buildings. Um, John is an enrolled agent, certified tax coach, best-selling author, instructor, and speaker at the firm LeWalt Consulting Group, LLC, located in St. Petersburg, Florida. He is known on LinkedIn as Florida's leading proactive state and financial change agent for your diverse needs and individual lifestyle. At LeWalt Consulting Group, LLC, our passion is creating Tax Alpha that helps you as the entrepreneur and business owner live the ultimate tax-free lifestyle you desire using the complexities written into the Internal Revenue Service tax code to your favor. After all, we believe those numbers on your tax form is your real money. Why not protect, preserve, and keep it for you and your family? How may we help you live a life that is less taxing? So, John, thank you for thank you for joining us and sharing your your knowledge about the tax code and how that can be used to help us preserve buildings. Well, well thank you, Danielle, and uh, I enjoy uh, talking to people about taxes, even though <laughs> for most it it seems like a boring subject, but uh, it's one of the most um, things that you're going to pay all of your life, and you might as well be able to uh, control it to your best uh, abilities. And, and, and understand it the best you can. I know I don't feel like I, I understand everything as much as I probably should. So, um, but And I think that the, the, the protections that people don't understand that are written into the tax code are really interesting because they can help you, you know, finance a project. They can help you, you know, make sure the building is, is preserved. And those things I don't think people necessarily think that those are tax code things, but they are. So thank you for sharing that knowledge with us. Sure, no problem. So um, I know one of the, the things that most people don't either understand or are aware of is the tax uh, conservation easement. Um, if you could, you know, talk to us a little bit about that and help us understand. I, I understand a little bit from a preservation standpoint that, like, the easement means that it can't be, the outside can't be changed because it's protected, but I don't understand what the tax, you know, ramifications of that is. Okay. Um, so in the Internal Revenue Code, there's a section called 170H, and it talks about land conservation strategies especially for federal and state taxes. So what a a land conservation strategy is designed to do is it's designed to meet uh, basically, you know, the taxpayer, in this case your client or whoever you're working for, 
financial goals and take uh, into heart their charitable desires. So in, in, uh, in essence, it's to preserve their properties and realize their most saleable economic outcomes. And uh, actually, you get some tax savings, you know, out of it, too. You become part of the, you know, what we call the ready to conserve your assets for individuals and uh, enjoy the related tax savings possible um, in the out, you know, income opportunity and the properties uh, amenities. So in essence, uh, what you what you want to do is let's say you have a piece of property but you, you know, don't want uh, it to be built on or you want to preserve it for generations to come and things like that. There are provisions in the tax code under the land conservation easement strategies is to actually um, give, give that land away. I mean, in, in essence, you're giving it away for the purposes of being able to develop it or, or use it for some other commercial purpose to the government, and you have official documents that tell you that you can do that. And in turn, um, there are charitable uh, deductions that you can take for that conservation. And so um, with that, uh, your land is preserved. Basically, you still retain rights to it, but you just can't use it for other purposes, uh, intended purposes. Yeah, it restricts exactly. what you can do with it. Okay. Exactly. You have a basically a deed of restriction, um, but that land can be used uh, for whatever thing that you set it up for. So, for instance, let's say for uh, that you have land and you want to preserve it for hunting, okay, um, and you don't want anybody to build anything on it. You could have a land conservation easement for that property. It could still be used for hunting and you can use it for that purpose. You could even build a structure on there, like a lodge or something like that, and people could use it for hunting, but they wouldn't, you know, be able to use it for some other com- commercial development. Now, in turn, because you... Yeah. So, in turn, when you um, when you uh, take that uh, conservation easement, the government's giving you a tax deduction, and it can be up to 50% of your adjusted gross income, and uh, let's say for every dollar, um, sometimes that this this property is valued at, you go get it appraised and stuff. Sometimes you can get four to five times the benefit. So, in essence, what you're what you're telling is that, well, if I built uh, it commercially, this is what it would be valued at. So if you develop the property, that's what they use, like, as your main. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So so if I was going to put a housing development on it, it would be worth X. And then, but if I say I don't want to, you know, allow that on there, they're going to take that value of the housing development and appraised out, subtract it what the land is worth right now, and you get the difference in the in the tax credits. Okay. Okay. And then is that, is that like an actual credit onto, or do you, I'm trying to think about how, what I'm familiar with, with like preservation easements. You usually then donate that to a, a nonprofit. Is that correct? Or is this, is the conservation a little bit different? Yeah. It's, a, it's actually donated to the government per se okay. because it's okay. under the tax of, now there, there's uh, the charitable contributions fall under the, the federal tax code. But you can also get state tax credits, too, depending on what state you're in. 
um, right. in, in yeah, the I know, property. I know, yeah, the the uh, preservation tax credits are you know very dependent on which state you're in of how how robust they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So this this benefits the person that's doing the easement by reducing their taxable income. Is that is that pretty much is that what the goal is? You're right. You can uh, reduce your um, your actual tax uh, that you would owe by between 30 and 50 percent of your adjusted gross income. Now, okay. So let's say let's say it, it exceeds 50 percent of your gross income in that particular year. Those uh, charitable uh, credits can be carried over for many years into the future until you can use them up. Okay. So. Yeah, so typically if you don't have a whole lot of income in that particular year, it will just carry over and, and, until you can use those up. So Use it up so there's not a time limit or a – and I was thinking there's a difference, in, and now this, this is telling you what I, what I don't understand about taxes, <laughs> um, that there's a difference between a credit and a deduction. Is that correct? So the credit is like just straight money to you. It's not like based on any kind of scale, correct? Is that right. Well, uh, yeah, there there uh, are credits that are they're a ba- basically a one to one dollar reduction in your taxes. Okay. Now, in the credit world, percentage. yeah, exactly. In the credit world, though, you have two types of credits. You have what we call non-refundable, meaning that uh, it can reduce your income to you know your tax is to zero, and then after that, if you still have more credit. You can't use it anymore. You won't get additional money back. But if you, if they're refundable, that means that you could have zero income tax that you owe and still get a refund back from the government. Okay. Now, it makes sense. No. Yeah. And, and with the deductions, there, there are a percentage depending on what your marginal tax bracket is. So in essence, a deduction, if you're in the 25% tax bracket, then you're going to get 25% or 25 cents back on a dollar for every dollar you deduct. So. Okay. Okay. Very, very. That's, I know I see, um, in this area a lot of conservation easements for like farmland. Um, exactly. They want to preserve their farms from development, but they still want to be able to use them and farm them. And the easement doesn't stop you from being able to use it how you've been using it. It's how you write the easement. Is that correct? Right. So for an example like that, in farming and ranching, you know, Ted Turner, which we all know from, you know, the the broadcasting world and everything else, he has huge tracts of land in in Wyoming and in Montana that he has easements on. He still allows, uh, I mean, there's wild buffalo that run on there. He has cattle that graze and everything, so it can still be used for ranching, but no one can actually, you know, develop it. Um, into, yeah, housing development or any commercial, you know, purpose, so. Okay, okay, very, very interesting. Thank you. Um, and then I know, um, and so then when you go to do the charitable deduction, then they figure out what the amount would be if you developed it, and then they give you, is it the difference? Is that pretty much what, what, what you, what your credit is? Yeah, so for instance, um, if let's say it would be valued appraised at a million dollars if it was fully developed, but right now in your hands uh, ownership, it was worth really only nine or a hundred thousand dollars per se in the undeveloped land and everything else. 
Right. So, in fact, you could probably get a deduction for the $900,000 difference there. Because you're not you're not using it to develop it completely. You're you're and it it is it is a benefit then to the community too. So that that does that does make sense to me of why it would be a a, a, a tax a tax credit also because you're you're agreeing to leave it the way it was. It's, it's right, right. Yeah. So yeah. what are um, what are the risks to somebody who wants to you know use an easement or a land conservation? easement to preserve their property? What what would the risks be to that? Well, a couple of risks, not necessarily to the owner of the land. Um, there there are people that actually don't own the land but want to invest in in the ownership of that property with the original owner to get these tax oh, credits. So, right. So some of some of the risk there would be um, basically as the you know, you may you may not get the asset protection as a limited partner instead of you know the ownership of it. Um, operating reserves that you know set aside at a closing, there may be monies that are needed in excess of of that property uh, for the conveyance of it and the deed. Um, could be additional capital calls if you know other. Uh, risk or not risk but unknowns or known about the property maybe there was some encumbrances on the property that you didn't know about and stuff and so money would have to become uh, available to you know take those encumbrances away so that 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 deed could be um unrestricted um sometimes uh there's a taxation risk basically due to audits because sometimes these things are not put together correctly and and lately, there's been a little bit of uh, talks in, uh, in the IRS about uh, making this one of the, what they call listed transactions, where they still allow it, but you would have to list it there of what the transaction was and um, basically have your, you know, per se, ducks in a row if you wanted to, uh, you know. Bring, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, as always, anything uh, in the code is subject to abuse. <laughs> right. So there, uh, you know, you may be working with people, uh, unscrupulous people, um, aka crooks. <laughs> right. That that want to take your money basically, and um, you know, don't do it properly, so the whole deal falls apart. So. Yeah, that, and I know that when I when we talk to homeowners about it, people are nervous about restricting their deeds. I don't I don't know, and I don't know if you if you have that knowledge. If if it um, does it lower the value of the property, or is it usually something that somebody who would be interested in conservation is that something that, that would be appealing to them? Oh, it would be very appealing to someone because most of us do have a you know a charitable um, you know. Um, gift to us or, or want to do something, either either that preserve it for, uh, you know, nature or actually for our um, our legacy and stuff like that. But um, even if you, you know, end up selling the property or whatever, that easement and everything else can convey to the to the next, you know, group yeah, of it, people it of ownership. Yeah. And and then they're just they, – they then have to – and I, I – as far as I know, that is the only – preservation tool that actually, you know, restricts what you can do. Because even, like, being on the National Register, that building can still 
you know, be torn down if you take the appropriate steps and get approval. You know what I mean? So that doesn't protect it as much as as the easement does. I know of a project um, here in Lancaster that they were going to develop and it was um, was where Thaddeus Stevens had his offices in Lancaster, mm-hmm. um, and they were going to tear it down. And then the the nonprofit that held the easement came forward and said, "No, you can't. We have an easement on this property." And they actually ended up. It's really a, a cool building to look at now because they incorporated the modern construction around this building. So it's it's okay. marrying that old with the new, but they they had to you know keep this. The, the original building there because they did hold the easement. And that's the only preservation tool that I know that, you know, guarantees that the building will, you know, will not change and has to stay the way, you know, it, it has been. So very, very. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. Because you are actually um, accepting a deed of restriction to that permanently prohibits, you know, some sort of commercial expor, uh, exploitation and rights to, you know, the real estate property and stuff. So you're absolutely right. That's that's pretty much the most ironclad um, a vehicle there to be, you know, able to preserve something. Right. Well, okay. And then I know um, you had given me some notes. So I have um, that you had talked about the energy efficient property credits. Um, sure, sure. That um, that those are being extended, which is kind of exciting for people who are wanting to, you know, maybe put some green energy to use in their homes. Yeah. So um, the the wind and solar um, credits uh, have actually been extended to 2024 um, because you know our government sees the value of doing that and and making us less reliant, basically on. Um, you know, fuels like uh, oil and, and, and gas and things like that. Um, and um, so the interesting thing is um, for the uh, these types of credits, you can qualify up to 30% of the eligible cost, which, in fact, I just did one for a client this tax season. Um, they invested uh, in a solar roof. Uh, they spent $52,000 on the roof. Uh, they ended up getting uh, a $17,000 tax credit back. So it kind of wiped out all of their tax that they owed. And uh, they, yeah, and they'll actually get to carry some over into the subsequent years because they, they used up all, all the, you know, the taxes that they uh, had this particular year. So, so uh, yeah, so the beauty about there is, and um, they were so excited because they started getting checks from the power company. In fact, they, oh, they got exciting. a yeah they they yeah. got a four hundred dollar check back from Duke Energy, which is the provider in our area. <laughs> and they and they were so elated because now the power company owed them money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I know that when we started talking, you and I had started talking about doing this podcast topic we we had just been talking about the tesla roof materials and that those are like individual solar cells and they they picked all things that would be traditional materials and you can't tell the difference i'll be curious to see how those are embraced by that once they do their full rollout by the preservation community because those uh those um solar panels the the type oh, the of new shingles they chose. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, but they chose like slate and tile. Those are not inexpensive roofing materials anyway. So if somebody's going to do that, 
you know, I'll be curious to see how it's embraced by the preservation community because there's definitely that intersection of green and then traditional looking materials at least. Right. So I, I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of those things are coming out, you know, from the, you know, the, the world of the Tesla vehicles and all of that to Elon Musk and, and uh, producing, you know, new types of materials. Yeah. That was the thing is people, they liked the idea of the solar, but they didn't want to have these, you know, what they would consider ugly panels on their right. on their roof. Right. So now I think it's going to open. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably going to be in your world, uh, open up a lot more opportunity and people to want to do that because, yeah, now they can more look like the uh, the original, you know, property um, that that we're trying to preserve and everything and get the efficiency out of it of modern, you know, energy systems. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I think that that's, that's something exciting to, to definitely keep an eye on. So the other thing, and something that I think that people know about, but they're it's kind of like on they don't know a lot about it, is the rehabilitation credits. Um, I know the federal government has theirs, and then um, the um, – State of Pennsylvania has some. They're not. There's. There's not a lot of money in the state. They, they, the tax credits here are very new for rehabilitation. I think they're only a couple years old. Um, but if you, I know that the the state, um, there the federal tax credits have been around for a while, and they've actually you know shown good economic development benefits. But if you could talk a little bit about the about the rehabilitation credits um, in the tax code. Yeah, there's um there's real big uh rehab rehabilitation credit. That's a and that's word. under <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> um and uh that's under section Internal Revenue Code section forty seven. And so there are actually two of them. Uh one there it's a ten percent of the qualified rehabilitation expenditures or whatever you spend with with respect to the qualified rehabilitative building. And this, uh, other than a certified, it doesn't have to be a certified historic structure in this case, okay? Right. So you can still get, uh, you know, a 10% of, of that. Now, in the second case, you can get a 20% of the qualified rehabilitation expenditure or cost um, if it is a certified historic structure. So there you can, you know, benefit even even more. And so basically, you know, um, like the, the federal government is telling us, look, you know, we, we understand you want to keep these buildings, uh, you know, they're, they're great buildings or whatever like that. They just, you know, need some tender, loving care. And we're going to help you um, uh, lower the cost, you know, to go ahead and rehab these buildings, right. especially if you're going to, you know, keep them in order, use them for, uh, you know, a, a, a economic purpose. And so, we're kind of looking at too is okay. What's what's in it for the government? Well, you know, obviously, if you're going to be able to use that building, re- rehab it for you know its use, or just bring it back up to code so you can keep using it. Well, they're going to get more tax money, right? Right. <laughs> and right. The, and this and this because you're going to remain in business and use that building. Well, the states obviously are still going to benefit because they're going to get additional property taxes, and they'll probably, you know, reassess it on on the rehabbed, uh, um, 
you know, uh, cost of it because, oh, it's gone up in value because you've you know, rehabilitated it. So, so there's two benefits there. Now, obviously the state's uh, benefits aren't as rich as the, the federal government because, as we know, our government's gotten plenty of money to throw around, right? Right. <laughs> in Maryland, Maryland has a really good, um, uh, rehabilitation credit system though i mean there there's is i think if you combine the federal and maryland's you can get up to 50 percent yeah uh, yeah so, yeah, I mean, so some, uh, of the, some of the states have a really good system i think uh it's great and, and so basically um it's uh it's something to take into benefit there if you have a building that you you know would meet those criteria and, and there again you might get a little bit less if it's not a historic building but still um, it might be in your benefit to do it. Now, like everything um, that we do in the tax code, um, there's good and bad things. Well, the good thing is, yes, you could get some assistance there for doing it. The bad thing is you might have to jump over some hurdles, you know, for paperwork and this and that and everything else. But I've found that, uh, you know, once you do it, it's it's well worth it. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it is a it is a process um, to get through that because first you have to be approved by the state historic preservation office, and then you go. They actually once they have everything they need, then they forward it on to the National Park Service for review. Um, but typically, you know, it is a lot of paperwork, but most people, you know, can can get through it. It's just you know having to stay on top of it. Um, I do I do know that I know one thing that, that is, um, and, you know, the tax benefits, one thing that's kind of frustrating to homeowners is that this is mostly, just, or it is just for income-producing property. So it is either going to be a business or a bed and breakfast or rental unit, something like that. Um, right. One other thing that I learned that's very uh, interesting is the tax credits on your passive income. Well, most people don't have a lot of passive income. So I was I sat through a presentation. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Banks are willing to buy, pay buy the tax credits from you because they have passive income and then they can use so the the credits are transferable. And I, I yeah, I, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh my goodness! I never even would have thought to like shop my my tax credits to anybody, but there are people well, who do it. <laughs> so that's an interesting point that you bring up. It's like, you know, a lot of people say, well, if I can't use them, I lose them. No, they actually have benefit, and, and people are willing to use them. The other thing, too, is, you know, you've heard of those called carbon tax credits, you know, for yes. pollution and everything else. Well, well, let's say you have a business, and you get X amount of tax credits, but your business is pretty efficient, non-polluting and everything else. And you get these credits, but you don't use them all the way over like that. Well, there's certain other businesses that are more polluting, and, and you know, they need more credits than they actually get, um, uh, you know, from whatever they're producing. Right. And so they'll buy, yeah, they'll buy those credits from you, and, you know, that helps them out too. So there is a market right. for that. Yes, yeah. I, I would never have even thought that until I was sitting in that presentation. I'm like, that makes so much sense because most most people, even if they're high income people, don't have a lot of passive income, but banks do. <laughs> so I thought that was really really an interesting thing that I yeah. learned. And, yeah. So. And the thing with uh, the thing with most people don't understand is you you have to match up the types of um, income and losses. Um, uh, to be able to take them. So for what you're just saying there, if you have passive income, 
you have to have passive losses to match up against them. You can't take, you know, income that you earn from your job and actually offset passive income and ha- or or investment income in there. So that's the key. What we try to do there is if we do have a client that does have lots of passive losses, we try to find some passive income. We call it a pig pal strategy. Passive activity losses matched up with passive income generators. So okay, very cool. Yeah, yeah. you 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 understand how to how to maximize these strategies, and and I, I thank you for for sharing your knowledge with with me and and our listeners. Uh, could you tell me? Unless did you have anything else you wanted to share or, or anything? Um, that you that that we didn't cover that you wanted to. Well, I think that's you know pretty good. Yeah. You know, okay. Okay. Uh, there's good. there's well, so much embedded in there that uh, we um, yeah. So yeah, and I'll definitely the the tax codes that you or sections that you referenced um, on the website resource section. I will definitely put those there so people can go okay. and read them. How? But and and your information will definitely be on the website too. But how can our audience get a hold of you? Um, if they have specific questions or they want to use your expertise to um, to help preserve their buildings? Well, they can actually call my office if they want, uh, and uh, my phone number is uh, directly is 727-388-9024. And um, if by chance, um, you know, somebody doesn't answer the phone, leave a message and we get back to you within a short amount of time. Um you can also go to my website. That's www.lewaltconsultinggroup.com and leave a message there. Or we have lots of information on the website that you can um, contact us or find out some other information about the different tax codes. I think you'll probably put our website on on your. I will. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put that. I'll yeah, definitely make sure that okay. that gets put on the website yeah. too. So we'll have we'll have links and I'll have the additional information and uh, anything else that um, that we think that you know would be good resources for for all of our listeners. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. Okay. Well, yeah, I, it was a pleasure talking here. And one last thing, um, okay. you know. With the broadness of the tax code, you know, people think, oh, you know, it's just in general, whatever. There's really something for everybody in there. We just have to sometimes dig deep for you. Um, If you employ certain people, there's tax credits for employing certain groups of people. Um, Right. We had just learned learned that we could get a Made in America tax credit because we manufacture. I never even thought about what we do as manufacturing, but it is. So, yeah, yeah, there's always something in there that you might not think would apply to you. So, um, yeah, so every situation, individual situation is different. So don't think that, you know, there's nothing in there for you. There may be, depending on what you want to do. Hey, it's worth a phone call or a short, you know, email conversation, and, you know, we can see what we can do for you. So. Okay, very good. Thank you so much again. Thanks for listening to the Historic Restorations Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at historic-restorations.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that would get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Historic Restorations Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit us at historic-restorations.com.